The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Nash, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about cooking with Ottawa's own personal chef, Daniela, from Mmm Chef. Welcome to the show, Daniela. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share some of my no-waste tips and how to reduce waste in your kitchen. So let's start with your business, Mm Chef. I grew up in a very foodie household with a dad who's owned a restaurant my whole life, a pizzeria in Kingston, Ontario. And my Italian Nona lived next door. I grew up making food from scratch and having a garden and uh, making our own salami and pasta sauce and bread and things. And then I decided to go to culinary school and then discovered that there were a lot of people with the in-home cooking who had dietary restrictions and I didn't know much about it. So I also decided to go to school for holistic nutrition to add that to my services. So I'm a trained chef with a holistic nutrition degree as well. And um, I focus on whole foods, healthy eating and helping people save money and eat good food. Oh my goodness, that's so awesome. And then something that you're interested in as well is sort of reducing food waste. So instead of, you know, letting those tomatoes go to waste, uh, you were saying that you can, you know, chop them up and make some salsa. Yeah, put them in the freezer for something else or chop them up and save them for, you know, to add to soups and, and sauces and things like that. If we're using the ingredients that you already have in your home, and we're using things that you've had in the bottom of your freezer or at the back of your pantry, bottom drawer of your fridge that you forget about, we can actually create a lot of meals um, from the stuff you already have make it delicious and we don't have to spend any money on groceries because uh, most families, especially busy moms, already have a lot of ingredients that they don't even take into account and they'll say things like, we don't have anything to eat or we don't have anything in the pantry and then I see like 10 recipes. So that's something that I really like to offer is uh, teaching my clients how to make meals out of the stuff that they already have so that we're not wasting more money and also not wasting the actual food product by putting in the garbage or the compost. I'm sure that lots of families are on that page where they have, you know, things that have been around. I mean, sometimes in cases, probably for 10 years or so. If yeah. You look in the can. A lot of people will see like an expiry date on something and think they have to throw it out automatically. And that's not true. For think, fresh things like meat and eggs and dairy, you definitely want to be very weary of the date. Um, you want to use your senses and you want to smell and touch and feel things. But for dry goods, like if you have a bag of quinoa that has never been opened and it's totally sealed, but it expired a year ago, it's probably fine. If you have a bottle of olive oil, for example, that's never been opened and it's expired and you open it and you smell it and you can smell that kind of offness, then it's off. But most dry goods, when it says best before, that's the key there is the word best. Most dry goods are not rotten. Uh, When it says EXP, so an actual expiry date, that's when you have to be weary of that. And as soon as you cook meat, so let's say a meat is expiring today, if you cook it today, it's going to last another five days. Uh, Because the expiry is just for the raw meat. We want to cook it and then it will last. I found sour cream in my mother's fridge that was three months past Mm -hmm. the date. I can't remember if it was the expiry date or the best before, but it was perfectly good. 
And then and there was no mold on it, and it didn't smell bad, and it looked beautiful. Tasted it, good. And sour cream is sour, so it's fine. It's fine. Most families are concerned with lowering their waste for financial reasons, for you know having less around them, having less stuff and less things, and that's great. But in the kitchen, a lot of people seem to forget about those principles. A lot of the tips that I like to give, or even some of the services that I offer, is that the second you get home from the grocery store, if you're allowing yourself 20 minutes, 45 minutes to do your grocery shop, you need to give yourself that extra 20 minutes so that when you get home, you're taking that 20 minutes to actually take everything out of the packaging and storing it properly. There are ways to get longer shelf life out of your food. So for example, in my veggie drawer at the bottom of my fridge, I actually have an old sock that I fill with baking soda and I keep it in there and it actually helps keep my veggies probably almost a week longer than if I didn't have that in there. It pulls the moisture out of the drawer and it also pulls the odor and the CO2 out of the drawer. And then to be even more no waste, when that sock is ready to be emptied and refilled, I actually just take that old baking soda and pour it in the bathtub and I clean the bathtub with it. Oh. Um, so there's, there's little tricks like that. I wouldn't say that I'm no waste, but I definitely am also on the journey of reducing. Planning your meals and doing a little bit of meal planning a half an hour to an hour on a Sunday or a Monday evening can actually really help you save a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of waste. Another way to reduce kitchen waste is to make a larger portion when you're cooking a meal. So if there's only three of you, instead of cooking three portions, actually cook six and then you guys have a meal for another night or one of you can take some for lunch. When you're cooking a fresh meal, it's typically gonna last like three to five days. So um, you don't have to eat it the next day for lunch. You know, you can eat it in two days for lunch. And then that way you're not um, eating the same thing at every meal, but you're also stretching your dollar. That's, I think, the trick is to not just eat it all in a row. So maybe make a giant pot of soup and then put a jar in the freezer and then put a jar in the fridge and then maybe not eat it the next night for dinner, but maybe the next night after, right? So it's yeah. all spread out because otherwise we get sick of food That's it. quite quickly. Like when our carrots come up in the garden, my son actually stopped liking cooked carrots because we just had them way too much because yeah. we had so many yeah. <laughs> to go through. We can do things like with the carrots and, and, and tomatoes and things like that. You can do things like grate them and put them in the freezer for later, like cook carrots. I'm thinking you can make a carrot soup, you can make a carrot jelly, you can make carrot muffins, you can make a carrot loaf. So many, so many awesome. things. Not everyone is like me and has a food brain. You know, I can see an ingredient and see five or six recipes. A lot of people don't have that. If you type in the ingredients that you have with a comma in between, even into Google, recipes with the ingredients that you have will come up. So let's say you come home and you're looking in your pantry and you think, I don't have anything. You do. Just type in the five or six things that you have with a comma in between each item and push enter and a whole bunch of recipes that have those ingredients in them will pop up for you. So there's other ways to save food waste by using resources like the internet or mm -hmm. thinking about how we can switch things out. For example, if I had a recipe for a cauliflower soup, but I have a broccoli that's going bad, I'm gonna use the broccoli. Or if I have a recipe for sweet potato muffins, but I have carrots instead, I'm gonna use the carrots. We were talking about fresh herbs earlier. One of the things I was saying at the talk at New Grocery is in the summertime, we all have this influx of crazy amounts of herbs. Or even when you buy a bunch of parsley at the grocery store in the summer, it's like three times the size as a bunch of parsley that you would buy in the winter. Yeah. And a lot of people let their herbs go bad and they or they just end up throwing them out. I like to put them in the blender with a little bit of olive 
oil and a couple cloves of garlic and then I actually fill ice cube trays with them keep them in the freezer and then you have little perfectly sized portions of herbs that you can add to a salad or add to a frying pan or add to a sauce or a soup or I have a couple favorite mixes. I have four that are my go-tos that I usually always have in my freezer. So the first one is just garlic, olive oil, parsley, and salt. Um, then the second one that I usually do is olive oil, garlic, basil, and salt. And then I always have a chimichurri, which is literally whatever herb that you have any herb that you have all in the blender together with some lemon juice and olive oil. And then I always have an Asian one on hand, actually. So I do sesame oil with cilantro, garlic, and ginger. Oh, that's a good idea. And then put them in the freezer. And then you actually have perfect portions for like veggie stir fry. Right. Or even like maybe rice or if you're making quinoa or something, you exactly. can and flavor it up. Exactly. Exactly. And herbs are pretty easy to grow. That's a great way to keep them all winter. And then you have, you have access to fresh herbs without having to pay three or four dollars for a little pack at the grocery store. And then it comes in the plastic, right? Like mm -hmm. they have beautiful herbs at the grocery store, but they're usually in that plastic container. Exactly. exactly. Something else you can do is you can actually freeze mason jars too. So what people don't realize is that the mason jars that have a curved top, um, you just don't fill them past the curve. And then mason jars that have a straight top right below the the lines that the lid goes on, there's actually a line. As long as you don't fill past that line, you can actually put mason jars right in the freezer. So I use mason jars for kind of everything. Like I put fresh herbs in there, I put bone broth in there, soups, I put salads, I put old tomatoes, all that kind of stuff, and I put them in my freezer. And then you just take the jar out and leave it on the counter, or put it in the fridge, or you can put it in the oven, you can put it in the microwave. It kind of is super diverse like you can really throw it in your purse and bring it with you if you want to put a salad in it or I use coffee uh, in my mason jar I also have a blender it's actually just a Hamilton Beach like $16.99 blender from Canadian Tire the blending part actually fits on a mason jar so um, it came obviously with like a plastic one and that's there if you take the little thing off it fits on the end of a mason jar so in the morning I can make a smoothie in my jar and just take my jar with me and make a smoothie for my husband and take the jar with him that's really great too that's perfect. I, I live in an apartment so um, we don't actually comp we don't have a compost where I live um, so we do recycle but we don't have a compost in the summertime I collect my compost and I typically hide it in my neighbor's compost bin. Something that a lot of people in my neighborhood do actually. On garbage day, you see the compost bin outside and somebody else's and it's not full. I take my bag of compost out of my freezer and I walk across the street and I put it in there. Ottawa has a lot of other cool resources. There's a farm in Ottawa called Mariposa Farm and they actually take all of the non-animal product except for eggshell compost and they go around the city and they collect it from all the restaurants and large institutions and stuff like that. And they actually feed their pigs with it. Oh, that's amazing. And then, you know, the pigs are, are sold to these same restaurants that are giving. Oh, it's like a closed loop. It's kind of like a closed loop. Amazing. So, so over time, you're going to switch from eating cans to buying dry beans. And then eventually from buying bags of dry beans, you're going to switch to going to a place like Bulkborn or New Grocery and buying your, your dry beans. But that's something that takes time because um, not only does it take time to transition, but it also takes planning. And so once you transition into that zero to low waste lifestyle, there's a lot more planning that goes into that type of lifestyle. Yes, and that part's difficult, for me at least, to yeah. do the, the planning. And you have to find out where to buy these items because if you end up running out of something and have to just get it right away, then you end up going to the grocery store and probably buying the one that has the most waste. So it really takes a bit of research as well. Of course. 
And then also planning your day in the way that like, if you live an hour away from a Bachborn or, or a new or no waste grocery store or something like that, you don't want to be making an hour trip in your car with that carbon footprint all the way to the store to get one or two items. You need to plan your week and you need to plan your meals for the week so that you're not constantly running back and forth because that's a factor as well. When you come and do your personal chef stuff at their house, do you help them plan for the future or? Yes. So my, my in-home personal chef is very customizable. It's customized to each individual person in the way that I offer a complimentary consultation. But if you're within the city area, I'll come over to your house and we talk about what's best for you and your family, looking in your pantry, looking in your freezer. Some clients um, don't cook a lot at home. Some clients eat out all the time and they're actually hiring me to help them uh, spend less money eating out and eating more ingredients at home so some people don't have anything in their freezer or pantry and so in those cases we'll actually plan a menu and plan an ingredients list and uh, plan everything out kind of exactly what we're going to make and then planning for the future so if this week I'm making something that has for example black beans I'm not just gonna buy two cans of black beans if they want to continue to have me come and cook for them, we'll buy a big bag of dry black beans so that, you know, we can use it next time. Something that I think is a really great tip is using your equipment properly in the kitchen or um, choosing the equipment that you have in your kitchen to be best fit for you. So we were talking about earlier a salad spinner. I live in a one room apartment and it's very small. My kitchen is super tiny for being a chef. And so I have a lot of things in my kitchen that I use multi-purpose. So like my salad spinner, for example, I don't have a pasta strainer. My salad spinner strainer thing I use as my pasta strainer. And then the bowl for my salad spinner, I use it all the time to make salad in. So I don't have a bowl that's the same size as my salad spinner because it just takes up more space. Same thing with like the blender that you can attach a mason jar to versus getting a regular blender that you only have that one canister for. What else is great in my kitchen? So yes. buying large quantities of things like olive oils and sugars and flours and things like that and then having your smaller glass containers or mason jars to store it in so that A, you're saving money on the quantity, but then you're also saving on packaging because as you know, buying a humongous bag of flour is just that one bag versus buying 10 little bags of flour. There's a lot more paper and plastic involved in that. I'm also taking my compost and putting it in my neighbor's bin. Um, <laughs> Does I your neighbor know? He's seen me twice and uh, <laughs> I just smile and wave and <laughs> I live in Little Italy so it's like a whole bunch of little Italian families and stuff like that and uh, most people, most people I don't think would be mad about that. You know, it's kind of a community. My husband did talk to him once over the summer and say like, hey, my wife's the one who puts her compost in your bin. We don't compost here. And, and the man was like, that's, that's horrible. So, you know, most people do want to reduce their waste. Most people, you know, in Ottawa, we have this great program. They'll take your compost if you ask for a bin. Just I can't ask for a bin because I'm in an apartment building. Um, but most people who have that bin have it because they're conscious of what it's for and what they're using it for. So most people who have a compost bin sitting at the end of their driveway, if it's empty, I don't think they would be mad if you threw your compost in there. So as someone who's had a compost bin for a long time, as long as you don't make it dirty because they're really difficult to clean, exactly. especially if you don't have a big yard with a hose. Exactly. I did a little digging on this issue to find out what's up with Ottawa's composting program. A group called Waste Watch Ottawa analyzed waste diversion data and found that only 43% of residential waste was being diverted from landfill. They estimate only 50% of Ottawa residents actually use the free curbside compost bins, and there's still 25% of residents who don't even recycle. 
Ottawa has a 20-year contract with Orga World to process Ottawa's organic waste, who, by the way, tried to sue the city over yard scraps. The minimum amount agreed upon is 80,000 tons of organic waste, but the city has never met that quota. In 2016, they came the closest, but we're still short by 9,000 tons, which costs us taxpayers $1 million in unused capacity. Last year, the city spent $350,000 on education programs to encourage Ottawa citizens to use their green bins more. It sounds to me like more work needs to be done. What we do is we have a, a little brown bag. We put the food right in there in the freezer so That's that it. it just stays. And then on the garbage day, we'll put it That's out. That's exactly what I do too. But what I actually do is I save like all my onion skins, all my garlic, all my peels and things like that. And I make bone broth. I don't buy just the two chicken breasts that I need. I actually buy the whole chicken and I break it down and I save all of the insides. I keep them in the freezer and then I make big batches of bone broth. And then the same thing for veggie broth. Let me ask you about that because I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we will buy a whole chicken and mm -hmm. then we'll just boil the bones and then we have soup for like days. Mm -hmm. When you look at a stock or like a real chefy stock that has nice color that's kind of yellow or brownish in color, that actually comes from vegetable peels. So like the skin of the onion and the skin of the garlic and the skin of the potatoes and all that kind of stuff. That's where the color is actually coming from. And a lot of people spend a lot of money on stock. You go to the store and you spend two to five dollars on one liter of stock. And in reality, most of the stock that you're buying at the store is all of the leftover, you know, peels and things that the company isn't using and they're turning it into stock and selling it to you. But um, also they usually have like tons of preservatives in it. Not all correct. stocks, but when you're correct. in the grocery store, um, they usually come in the Tetra Pack which yeah. is really difficult to recycle because yeah. there's like seven layers in there and yeah. not very many people are going to tear it apart to no. recycle it. Lots of preservatives are colored. So the difference between an animal meat broth and a veggie broth is that, as you know, with the bone broth, you let it simmer for quite a long time. Maybe you let it simmer for a few hours. hours. Exactly. Um, but a veggie broth is done in 45 minutes. Oh, wow. So you take all your veggie scraps, put them in the pot, cover with water. What's like the best stock you can make? Give me an example of like everything you'd put in a veggie stock. A veggie stock is always made with base of onion, celery, and carrot. And then it's really whatever else you want to add to it. Can you put the tops of carrots in? Yes. Okay, awesome. The peels of carrots, the tops of carrots, the peels of potatoes. Um, oh, something else that you can do with herbs. So if you have an influx of herbs, when you're making stock or bone broth or veggie broth or whatever you want to call it, a lot of traditional recipes or French recipes will call for something called a bouquet garni. And all that really is, is a bunch of fresh herbs that are tied together, either in a piece of cheesecloth or with a string or whatever, and you drop it into the pot of stock to give it that flavor even like parsley stems and things. So stems that you're not going to eat. Stems, when you're making those little ice cube trays, you're not gonna put the stems in. You can take those stems and actually save them, tie them up, or put them in a little piece of cheesecloth or in an old piece of sock or something like that. And uh, you actually just drop them in the pot. You can actually even use a bouquet garni when you're making like anything really. Like if you're making a soup or you're making a tomato sauce or you're making anything with liquid, really, you can take one of those bouquet garni things and pop it in and add a whole bunch of flavor to your meal or to your stock. That's amazing. So when you're, when you're making a stock, you generally would want some, some skin, so garlic, onion, and then if you have carrots or celery or mm -hmm. something like that, it's so like a root vegetable, I guess basically, you'd say. Basically. And then I would assume salt is always needed, right? Yeah. 
So the way that I do my stock is I don't salt it and then I store it unsalted so that whenever I go to use the stock in another recipe, you're adjusting the seasoning. Um, on my meal service, we sell bone broth for helping to build collagen and all that kind of stuff. And for a lot of people who order from my service, they may have a dietary restriction or they're sick. Bone broth is really great for helping to heal and stuff like that. So I leave it unseasoned and then you can season it yourself or like if I'm making a soup, I'll season the soup, of course. What's great about bone broth is that again, I like to, I sell mine in mason jars. So you get the mason jar and then there's no toxicity. You can reuse the mason jar to put the soup back into the mason jar. A program that I offer with my meal service too is for every 12 mason jars that you return to us, we'll give you free food. Oh wow, so that's awesome. something else like a snack or, or what have you. So yeah, jars are a really great way to um, store your food, but also your stuff. So I buy a lot of tomatoes from Italy that come in little jars and things like that. And my husband actually took 12 jars and put a hole in the lid of each one and he screwed them into the bottom of my cabinets underneath my cabinets beside my stove. And I have spices that live in these small jars and they just screw right into the lid that is like attached to underneath my cabinet. That's so smart. And then you can switch them out. And then mm -hmm. his next product is in the bathroom. He wants to do it underneath our cabinet so that when you open the cabinet, you've got all these jars that have like cotton balls and swabs and all those things that we don't that take up space um, and they can be in jars. And these aren't mason jars that I've purchased. The ones that I've purchased are nice and I keep those for my coffee and stuff like that. But my spice jars are like old tomato jars from Italy and you know Dijon mustard jars and stuff like that that we just screw into underneath my cabinet. When you're not using them, the jars are kind of like hanging there. Yeah, almost. that's such a good zero underneath. waste idea. Yeah, And it saves space too, right? In your bathroom cupboards. Oh yeah, because you just open the cabinet and you've got all your jars that are like up at the top right underneath and so it doesn't take up any space at all down below so you yeah. can put like towels or something something else that i've switched over mostly since i met the new waste people as a culinary graduate we always use vinegar to disinfect everything and i've always used that in my kitchen but i come from an italian family where my nona used windex and vim for everything right since learning about toxicity and going to school for holistic nutrition and having pets and stuff i always wanted to move away from that but Sometimes you think things don't work. I can't get my, my whites white if I don't use bleach or I can't get that clean if I don't use that product. But I'm learning that's wrong. I'm learning that there are little tricks and tips to using really affordable ingredients and really low toxic ingredients that actually work better than bleach and all that other stuff. So when I talk about my spray bottles underneath my sink in my kitchen, None of them are purchased spray bottles. They're all spray bottles from the dollar store that I filled with my own stuff. So one of them is just pure vinegar, super strength vinegar. One of them is half vinegar, half water for just like wiping up simple stuff, cleaning my wooden cutting board, stuff like that. And then one of them is water, vinegar, and peppermint oil so that um, when you're cleaning the bathroom and stuff, it doesn't smell it just good. like... You know. Have you ever used lemon? Can you use lemon? Yeah, you definitely can use lemon. Would the lemon ever go bad in the water? Because I see it's in a lot of ingredients for cleaners. Mm -hmm. So yes, for example, if you're cutting beets on a wooden chopping block and you've got pink stains, you can squeeze lemon juice right on it and let it soak in and scrub it off and it will take the color away. But I've never used lemon long term. What you can do is you can buy lemon essential oil 
Mm-hmm. Or you can use lemon oil in with your vinegar or what have you, and that will work well. Usually when you're buying a product that has lemon in it, it's usually the oil. It's usually not the fresh lemon because okay. it's going to go bad. Yeah, it seems like baking soda and vinegar are sort of the staples yes. of cleaning. Buying big containers of, of vinegar and big boxes of baking soda reduces your cost reduces the environmental factor on the on like the actual environment and then also reduces like even your waste because you've got large quantities of it and stuff and it, like that. It reduces your trips to the grocery store if you're buying a massive amount. Some of my clients they'll share me or they're they'll share shops. So you are a family of three and maybe your neighbor is a family of three and maybe the guy across the street is a family of one or two and you guys can order large quantities of things together. So ordering, you know, a huge, huge bag or box of rice, and then the three of you split it. And then for three families, you only have one bag of waste, Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. And some of my clients will do that with me. So for example, I'll go over and cook at one person's house. And instead of only cooking for two or three hours, I'll cook for like six or seven hours. And then two families are splitting the food. Splitting the cost, splitting the ingredients, splitting all that stuff. Um, yeah. Having a personal chef come into your home and using all of your reusable containers and all of your casserole dishes versus getting takeout all the time also helps. So not only can I help you save money on your grocery bill and your eating out bill because I'm cooking the food in your home, but I can also help save you money and environmental factor on waste. That's awesome. I love too when you don't have the plastic actually touching your food because a big thing with me and why I found out about why plastic is so bad is I didn't want my son exposed to BPAs and like freezing and heating is the best way to get BPAs into the food out of out of your container into your food so like you know if you're heating something in the microwave in a a flimsy plastic container you might want to just put it in a bowl right right there's different levels of no waste because someone who was zero waste may look at someone who uses those things and think you know you're not on that spectrum but everyone has little steps that they can take you know, scrubbing a pan can take yeah, days. especially when you are <laughs> roasting something in the oven. If it's meat or even veggies with olive oil, they stick to the pan. And who wants to scrub that? We learned actually with Jay Brandis, who was the scientist who found a whole bunch of Teflon in the bottom of the ocean. And I asked him, like, how is this getting there? Because the only use I know for Teflon, it comes from pots and pans. And I try and stay away from those. So I use just like stainless steel pans Mm -hmm. and pots. And sometimes I have to soak them for a couple days. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do what you said with the baking soda. I'll just throw baking soda on that pan that's like black on the bottom and leave it for a day, put some vinegar in it, and I'll, I'll repeat. So sometimes it takes me like three days to clean a pan which is pretty annoying. Yes. So it can be a lot of work. Um, So if you ever have a stainless steel pan that is black or the food is crusted onto the bottom. All the time. You can just cook (laughs) it off. So turn your stove on high, put the pan back on, make sure you turn your fan on or open a window. Put the pan back on and it will burn the food on the bottom of the pan to become like a crisp and the food will literally just lift off the bottom. A cold storage, also called a root cellar, used to be common in homes across Canada. Essentially, it's part of the basement that's sectioned off without insulation, without a heat source, and with adequate ventilation. While it's not as cold as a fridge, it's cold enough to store a lot of food and beverage items without a carbon footprint or the use of fossil fuels. Sadly, it's a feature commonly left out of new building projects these days, but it's extremely useful when it comes to zero-waste food and zero-waste living. What I'm finding is a lot of people are a little bit afraid. But what we don't remember is that up until 50 years ago, 
that's how we lived and that's how we ate. Having a cantina where you are storing things throughout the winter, you shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid of finding a piece of cheese that has a little bit of mold on it and cutting it off. You shouldn't be afraid of that stuff because A, it's waste and B, we need those nutrients. Believe it or not, something that most vegans and vegetarians are most deficient in is vitamin B12. And they say, or a lot of a lot of published works say that the only the only available B12 in, in the human diet is through animal products. B12 is something that vegans and vegetarians really struggle to get because um, they're not eating animal products. But the funny thing is, where do animals get their B12? Animals get their B12 from, they get it from plant material, they get it from plant products. Where does B12 live? B12 actually lives in the soil and lives in the dirt. So these farm animals aren't washing their grass before they eat it. They aren't washing anything before they eat it. So they're getting small little particles of, of um, dirt in their food and they're eating that and that's the B12. Well, humans have only been B12 deficient really over the last you know, century when we, when we started being so sanitary conscious. Go and pick a tomato from your garden and eat the little piece of grit. That's vitamin B12. So if you're a vegan or vegetarian and you're eating fresh produce from your garden and you're not really washing, you actually are getting enough B12 because we need those things. So my grandmother, for example, in Italy, you know, at lunchtime was working in the fields. Like she picked her tomato and picked her apple or what have you and took her piece of bread that was wrapped in a napkin out of her pocket. Um, she didn't die because of all the bacteria on this food. We need those things. We have bacteria inside of us and we need it. So that can help you waste less. If you see something that has a little piece of mold on it or you see something that's going bad, you don't actually need to throw it away. Just cut it off. You can just cut it off. Mm -hmm. Black mold is something that's different. If you have a, a loaf of bread that has black mold on it, do not eat it. People eat yogurt and people drink kombucha and eat sauerkraut for all of these good bacteria. So you go to the grocery store and you buy a romaine lettuce that's been pre-washed. It's only going to last in your fridge five or six days. You pick a romaine lettuce that has dirt all over it and you don't wash it. It's going to last in your fridge for a couple weeks three to five times a day, you have the power to make a choice of what industry you're gonna support, what nutrients you're gonna put in your body, how you're going to feel tomorrow, all of those things. And those that all stems from food. And food is life, really. Cool, well thank you so much for talking with us today. And there's so many good tips that you gave us. Awesome. This week on my countdown to zero waste, I used some Amazon packing paper that came in the mail to wrap Christmas presents, and once the presents are opened, we can recycle the paper. We also made bows and ribbons out of an old pair of worn-out dinosaur pajamas, and we bought a soda stream as a gift for a family member who likes to drink pop. One recyclable 500 milliliter plastic bottle of soda stream mix will save 48 plastic bottles or cans from being used. If you Google Soda Stream and Paris Hilton, or Soda Stream and Game of Thrones, they have some pretty funny videos aimed at reducing single-use plastic, and I admire their brand for their message. If you like our show, you can follow me on Instagram at Zero Waste Countdown. That's zero underscore waste underscore countdown. And if you have any questions or ideas for the show, you can email me, laura at zerowastecountdown.com. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.